0: we absolutely did the best job that we could to make uh, maps that met all of the voting rights act and and all of the requirements and and so he said hey you, you got some problems in this area so we've got to go back and
1: readdress those. Uh, Senator Frank Ginn, Madison County Republican, with whom we spoke, I think it was a week ago today, talked about the upcoming special session of the Georgia legislature near the end of the month, uh, the 29th. That session going to start beneath the gold in Atlanta. The judge in question, of course, we know Judge Steve Jones from his years on the Superior Court bench in Athens, now the U.S. District Court judge in Atlanta, ruling that the maps redrawn in the most dist- uh, recent redistricting session drawn by the House and Senate uh, violate some components of the Voting Rights Act. Got to redraw those lines. Do so in a special session later this month. Senator Frank Ginn. And now Senator Bill Cousert, his legislative counterparts between the two of them, represent uh, basically half of Athens each. Senator Bill Cousert in studio with us this morning. Senator Cousert, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you, Tim.
0: Great to be with you here on a college game day football weekend top 10 matchup.
1: Isn't that something? Uh, and, and it's, it's No uh, yeah, okay. dogs. And what they, else you want to talk they about? They come rolling in here, those game day folks, and it's plug and play for them. They, they know great. where they're going and know what they're doing. Uh, no, uh, you folks, uh, and you know the way to Atlanta, you hadn't planned on this, and uh, now you got to budget time and, and money and everything else to go over there and do this, this special session. You're telling me you're thinking it can be done in a matter of days. Matter of fact, according to the judge, it has to be done in a matter of days.
0: Yes, we've, we've been given a, a deadline of December the 8th, and we go back in on November 29th, which is a Wednesday. Yeah, there's a certain number of days it takes to get a bill through the legislative process. Got to get introduced, signed to a committee, committee hearing on the floor, and then passed over to the other side. Uh, for the House to take the same process, and simultaneously they're passing their maps and shipping them over to the Senate side. Uh, So there's really no way to get a bill through the process quicker than six days, maybe seven days.
1: You mentioned the committee. You're on the Senate redistricting committee? Yes, sir. And you were the most recent legislative session redistricting session as well, correct? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. So you're 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 familiar, obviously, with the process. I And most folks, less so, uh, when it comes to this. I, I'm led to understand, though, that what can typically happen there there have been folks over the years, the University of Georgia, for example, that have a lot to do with the way the maps are shaped. They 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 do a lot of the the heavy lifting and hand you folks in the legislature. All right, here's what we're here's what we're recommending. Here's what we've come up with. Do what you will with it uh have you had time to work with those folks again or is this something you're going on kind of on your own here
0: no that is exactly how it works there is a essentially a non-partisan redistricting office that's part of the general assembly that both parties have access and they draw the maps for you give you a template where the starting points are and you can make adjustments working closely with them and with legal counsel you know both parties have uh redistricting law experts to make sure that you're following the rules and the law. And just as Senator Ginn, excuse me, just said there, I mean, we thought we had complied and certainly were uh, not in any intent to violate the law. Of course, the law changes rapidly and the judges have different interpretations. Here, Judge Jones believes it's possible to create two more uh, essentially African-American majority districts. And he has identified the areas in South Atlanta, where there are ways we could have potentially done that, uh, in his opinion. So we're going to go back and see if we can comply with his order uh, and do that. I don't think we really have to redo the entire state. And from the Senate side, we focus on the Senate maps. And the House deals with the House maps. I don't know how many seats they have in play that need to be redrawn.
1: Now, that's the legislative side of the ledger, but there's also uh, congressional (laughs) redistricting as well.
0: Right. And so... That's a joint project between the House and the Senate. We'll try to do those. And, again, Judge Jones says it is possible to create one additional African-American majority district. I believe he's saying that's on the western side of Atlanta, close Mm -hmm. to where Lucy McBath's previous seat was. Uh, And we'll find out if that's possible to do uh, with (laughs) the map drawers trying to help us, and we will certainly comply with the, the judge's order. And we will comply with the law as best possible here.
1: Well, I circle back to something you said there, Senator Kalserd, in that. Uh, Judge Jones saying you, you're violating. He said, "Well, the law changes rapidly. The Voting Rights Act is basically what it has been, right? I mean, he's finding, and I don't, I don't know enough to know what the specifics might be, but he looks into the Voting Rights Act and says you're violating that. And it, in, in addition to maybe any violations of state or federal law, but it goes all the way back to that Voting Rights legislation from a half century no. ago,
0: 1964. Yeah, and, and you'll remember that law changed uh, in Congress." oh i don't know 6 or 7 years ago and we no longer are required to get pre clearance right. from the federal justice department which said that the which South is interesting because if you
1: had we wouldn't be having this conversation this morning i wouldn't think
0: that's what you would would hope but that ne- that didn't necessarily prohibit lawsuits even mm. when you had pre clearance but now you don't there's still a section 2 that requires you to create a majority minority districts uh, where possible and that's the question do you, are you, do you, must you do it is race the exclusive or predominant or the sole issue you look at we look at communities of interest of geographic compactness of of, of different communities uh and and natural boundaries and things like that as we try to take a number of factors into consideration and we felt like we had. Well, you you got to look. We have 18 out of 56 African American senators now. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got about a third of the Senate representing probably a greater percentage than the uh, African American population in the state are right on it. So mm-hmm. we felt like we had complied. But the Supreme Court every every year there's another case they come up and they interpret and they define things differently, and it is. You know, in flux because of judicial interpretation.
1: Well, yeah, Senator Bill Castro, you just look right to our borders. Uh, Alabama and North Carolina have had to deal with this uh, and Supreme Court rulings on, on some of their redistricting cases. Now, uh, your colleague, uh, Senator Frank Ginn, uh, pointed out last week in our conversation with him, okay, yeah, we, we've identified that one congressional district and some legislative districts between Atlanta and Macon. Go ahead and redraw those. Uh, he raises the concern, does Senator Ginn, uh, that nothing stops you? or anybody else from from redrawing the whole state you say that's not the objective oh, that's true. but yeah. i mean the, the even if that wasn't the intention as you the, the analogy he drew i guess pushing the air out of the balloon well it, it's got to go someplace and you push <laughs> up here you pull down there uh it's it's going to be hard especially congressionally i would think to redraw these district lines without bumping into all the other districts around the state
0: yeah that's true it's all you know one big puzzle, and once you move a puzzle line somewhere, you've got, a, you've got the same amount of space, you've got the same amount of people, and the overriding principle is one man, one vote. Each district has to be equal in size so that everybody's vote counts equally. With the computers today, Tim, you can literally get it down to one person. I mean, you can get it very easily within 1%, and we'll do that. I'm sure the uh, committee chair and the leadership have been working on maps already, trying to come up with something to comply with this order.
1: Here's where I yell and scream about this, and this is me, and I I know what I'm up against when I say something like this, but... uh, Give a class of eighth graders the decent software, and if you take race and all the rest of that stuff out of the equation, you strictly look at numbers of people and numbers of voters, your middle school class could do this.
0: You can, but you, you know, we've seen maps before. The last Democratic set of maps had a district that stretched from Augusta all the way to Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. You know, it looked like a snake, literally, right. like the old gerrymander, where that phrase came from. Sure. Uh, you know, so that you was can, to get
1: Cynthia McKinney a seat in Congress. I yeah. think
0: you're right, but that you know, there. That, that's the thing. What we try to do is we want to keep them compact geographically because that's good for the community that's being represented. It's more easy for the elected official to represent a compact area that are, you know, uh, let's just say county lines, you know, yeah. government boundaries where possible, communities of interest. Uh, you know, I, the district I'm representing, the 46, it moved north a little bit mm-hmm. because the population has moved north. So I, I used to represent most of Walton County, now about half, and it went north along the uh, 316 Carter precinct in Bexar County, precinct in Gwinnett County, some in Athens, and that is somewhat of a community of interest. Mm-hmm. People that are living in that area have a lot in common. So you do what you can to make sense and, and, and to keep people happy there's never everybody going to be happy at the end of the day so what we know is that this is an incentive-based business it's something that georgia knew when we implemented the tax credit back in 2008 um, and this was a policy that was intended to spur investment grow jobs and, and really
1: create this economic driver for our state and this worked as intended kelsey moore there spoke with her about a month ago kelsey moore the georgia screen entertainment coalition talking there about the georgia film tax credit Uh, Which has, yes, over the course of about a decade and a half, spurred a multi-billion dollar film industry in Georgia. Which, by the way, is about to get rolling again. The writers strike over, now the actors strike over. So lights, camera, and action uh, facilities all over the state, including here in Athens. Athena out there on Athens' east side, the new studios there. Senator Bill Cousert, Athens Republican, in studio with us this morning. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I think you're on one of those committees, legislative study committees, been looking at these tax credits. Not just film tax credits, but tax credits across the board. Uh, uh, with an eye toward maybe some amendments here. Yeah, you're
0: right. I'm on the uh, committee, it's tax review panel and we're trying to look at all the myriad of tax credits and tax breaks that we give different industries and different segments of our society to see are they effective? Are we getting the proper return on investment? Are they accomplishing the original goals? I can tell you one thing on the the tax the film credits, they accomplished the goal. We are now probably the premier uh, filmmaking state in the country and television programs, etc. This Athena Studios is fantastic. If you get a chance to go mm. look at it, you should. They'll be making productions there, and, and it has created a lot of jobs that not just actor jobs for the folks from L.A. I mean, probably these, the least of it in yeah, terms of it, job creation. It, it is a whole uh, a micro culture there where the the I have a daughter in the business. that mm. does set designs, so mm. set. Uh, decorating, and there's caterers, there are the lighting people, sound people, and these people live in Georgia and stay here. And the different productions come through; they just jump from show to show, so to speak, you know. But it has created quite. Uh, in industry, a lot of jobs that are pretty darn high-paying, too, to tell you the truth. Uh, yeah, so I the know.
1: question then becomes what to do with that specific tax and others, but we'll talk about that one for a moment. Uh, there's some talk of capping it or, or otherwise yeah. amending it.
0: Yeah, the, the Senate in recent years in particular has wanted to make certain that we do go back and gauge the effectiveness of our different tax breaks that we give. We're trying to put sunsets on them so that they have to be reviewed. They will run out unless they can make the case. To continue that, Uh, we're also trying to cap the amounts. I mean, we did some things probably wrong with this film tax credit. It can be up to billions a year. Some people have calculated that it cost every Georgia taxpayer about $350.
1: Let's Oh, back up and explain what a tax credit is. There are people, and you probably run into these folks, there are people who believe that the state just writes Checks to these movie makers. That's not what happens, as I understand it. Essentially, what you're doing, and I'm going to oversimplify it, what you're doing is allowing them to keep more of the money they make for themselves.
0: That's right. They don't have to pay taxes. Uh, they, If they get a credit towards their tax bill, if they spend money in certain areas. Now, it might be uh, like a rural health tax credit. You make a donation to mm-hmm. a rural health care, and instead of writing that check to the Georgia Department of Revenue, you're writing it to that local hospital. It's just shifting, allowing you... To direct your tax monies, but one thing that we're doing in some of these is we allow these people to sell their tax credit. So even if you don't owe that billion in taxes, you can sell it to somebody else that does owe taxes, and usually at a discounted rate. So it's really almost more of a direct subsidy to an industry. That does sound like a subsidy. It sounds like you know because that's how you make them effective and more uh, more bang for the buck, so to speak. That they're able to. Uh, use money even above their tax liability.
1: I've looked at it, Senator Castle, kind of cynically, I guess. It might sound that way anyway. It was one thing to set up the tax incentive to lure them here. Well, they came. I mean, they would always been making movies here, just coming on location. But now they're building these studios, which means they've set up shop in something of a permanent way. Uh, Okay, so it's not like they're going to leave. And so why keep extending the tax credit?
0: Yeah, Tim, look, you're talking to a tax hawk here. (laughs) Uh, I I am rarely voted for a tax credit of any type. Uh, And the reason is I think we ought to lower the tax rates for everybody instead of picking winners and losers and and putting our thumb on the scale. I I prefer that we reduce everybody's income tax rate or sales tax rate and then let the market operate like you're saying. That delta tax. right? So The fuel tax. The fuel tax. I have voted against that so many times and it stays in, because Delta Airlines is making billions of dollars a year. There was a time when they were about to go bankrupt. They did. Giant employer, they help our state, they're, uh, you know, a, a addition to our economy, and it was good to bail them out. Well, they're bailed out, <laughs> you, you know, And but that tax credit continues. And, and so, I'm critical, like mm. you are, and I think, and that's part of what this committee's doing. Mm. Let's go back and look at these things again. Have they accomplished the purpose? Do we need to continue the tax credit in order to keep the industry alive or thriving? Or here, you know, those movie people make a good argument that they they can move to another state in a heartbeat mm. if the if it's more financially advantageous. Which so is why they came careful. here in the first place. Yeah, we got to be really careful how we do it. And if we cap it, if we, uh, you know, let it sunset, if we start making different adjustments, we will be very uh, thoughtful before we do Senator
1: that. Bill Kouser, uh, another tax. Uh, the the governor, your brother-in-law, suspending again, extending the suspension of the state gas tax. The collection of the tax saves us 30, 31 cents a gallon on gas at a time when that matters, obviously. That's something you folks are going to have to revisit and the session starts in January.
0: Yeah, well, I love it. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, I love the governor, and boy, he's he's doing such a great job leading our state. And and that you know is the one thing we have an ability to help limit inflation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's so beyond government, state governments' control. But here, we can limit the amount gas cost our citizens by taking that tax off, at least for a limited yeah, well,
1: period. Yes, that's just it. You can't do it forever. That's well, true. Like well, the DOT well, is funded. Well, I have
0: to stop building roads, but <laughs> yeah. but. Now, with this inflation so bad and fuel being such a part of it, it's great to do it. We are in a financial position as a state where our budget's so sound that we're able to afford that. But it does require ratification by the legislature, and that's the second thing we will look at here during the special session to ratify Governor Kemp's actions in waiving that fuel tax Uh, for the last few
1: months. One other tax I want to talk about, a report I saw a month or so ago, I don't know how serious this is, but there's this discussion anyway of the property tax and something the legislature might do, Uh, at least it's being asked to do, and again, I don't know how serious this is, grandfather the property tax in such a way that I'm paying on my home a a property tax based on what I paid for my home, not what some county assessor says it's worth now all these years later. Is there any thought of that or any hope for that? Yeah, you
0: know, that is a concept that I have bandied about uh, for years. I like the idea because when you buy your house, you know what the value is. It's there are two times when for. I know what my house yeah. is worth is when I yeah. buy it and when I sell it. And then you can budget accordingly. Mm-hmm. You know what amount you're going to be paying for tax uh, each year as long as you own it, what you can afford. If it floats the way it does now beyond your control, your income may not change. I worry about elderly people mm-hmm. with fixed income. As I become their, one I do too. <laughs> their houses increase in value and they can literally get taxed out of their home. On the other side, it, it makes uneven balance. You know, I could be living next door to you. I bought my house this year, and I'm mm. paying more tax than you are, and our houses are identical, mm. you know. That's inequitable yeah. sometimes, too, and it, it's, it's a balancing act, and we will definitely need to be careful as we look through this. But there are some aspects of that that are pretty enticing.
1: You've been in the Senate how long? Seventeen years. Seventeen years. Right, next year, an election year. You—you you got anything to announce this morning, or have well, you decided that yet?
0: No. You know, the first conversation I have to have is with Amy. Mm-hmm, <laughs> she's mm-hmm. she's the number one voter mm-hmm. in our household. But <laughs> as long as she continues to allow me, and it's still, I feel productive. It is a very rewarding um, to me, and I feel like I'm making a difference. To to be analyzing things and, and trying to find solutions to help Georgia. But she's voter number one, but then, of course, the rest of the citizens of the 46th district have to also agree that I'm doing a good job and they'd like for me to stay.
1: Senator Bill Kausser about to get busy. Special session on the 29th, regular session in January. Senator Kausser, best of luck out there. Thanks for your time this morning.
0: Thank you, Tim. Go dog.